Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. Tis the season to be jolly, but it's also the season to be offended. Christmas time can be difficult. Anybody here easily offended? Anybody here offended that I asked that question publicly? How dare you? Indeed. You know, it can be difficult. There's a lot of holiday traffic when you go shopping and you didn't buy a gift until Christmas Eve and you see the rush and everybody's contending for the same gifts. There's a lot of opportunity for offense. Amen. When you find out your very real wife had a baking Christmas party, not that kind of baking, but making cookies and stuff like that, and she didn't bring cookies home to you. She gave them away. There's room for the spirit of offense to take over the Christmas season. But I forgive that hypothetical wife in this situation. It can be wild. Fights in our families, over dinners, all sorts of things. And sometimes when we think of the original Christmas story, we have a romantic view of it. It was just peaceful. It was jolly. It was easy. But the very first Christmas was filled with conflict, intention, and room for offense. And I want to read about Joseph in the story of Christmas in Matthew chapter 1. And I believe that we're going to learn some great lessons from him today. So let's open up the word of God to Matthew chapter 1. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Anybody thankful for the saving power of Jesus Christ. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until the son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Can you imagine being Joseph in this story, talk about being offended. You're engaged. You're planning for a wedding. You're doing wine tastings, food tastings. You're picking out a venue. You're wondering, what am I going to wear? And then your fiance approaches you and says, hey, I have news for you. I'm pregnant. If I'm Joseph, I'm not laughing like you, monsters. I'm thinking, my fiance just cheated on me. What is everybody going to think? What am I going to do with my future? I was about to give her my whole life. I trusted her. Okay, Mary, 
<laughs> I got to know, who's the father? Uh, God. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm not so mad. Maybe I think I dodged a bullet. My fiance is crazy. <laughs> Mary, so you're telling me that God got my fiance pregnant? Yeah, that's my story. Wow, this is weird. I would have been so hurt, so offended, so discouraged, wondering what's going on here. And then the scripture says that God speaks to Joseph in a dream through an angel, and he believes her story. He wakes up, but then there's another opportunity for offense because it says that the angel gave him instructions, and then Joseph did everything that the angel commanded him to do. So, the very next verse, it says, so he did not have sexual relationships with his new wife until the child was born. I'm offended there. Imagine being a virgin, doing things right according to the Bible. It says that she's a virgin, so they have not had sex, and then they get married, and he still can't have sex. I'm offended at God at that point. Anybody with me? <laughs> and I, I just can't help but wonder, in this time, in this season, with this craziness, how did he get through this? You know, there's a song called Mary Did You Know. Have you heard of it? Talking about the baby that you delivered would one day deliver you. Mary, did you know? And here's, spoiler alert, she did know. She wrote a, her own song in the Bible. Listen to women. Can I get a good amen? <laughs> she knew. <laughs> she knew. <laughs> Before all of us knew, she knew. Stop singing that song. No, don't stop singing it. I love it. Uh, but I wrote my own song. Uh, from the perspective of Joseph, called Joseph, Did You Know? <laughs> Written and uh, performed by Pradeep and Chiba. <laughs> <clears throat> Can someone give me a C? Thank you. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. <laughs> Joseph, did you know that your fiancé would get pregnant before your wedding? Joseph, did you know that your fiance would say God's her baby daddy. <laughs> Joseph, did you know that you wouldn't have sexual relationships with your new wife until she birthed the baby and you became God's stepdad? <laughs> Joseph, did you know? <laughs> Amen. Powerful. Powerful song. All right, let's bow our heads. Just kidding. So Joseph had the opportunity to be offended, to go through pain, turmoil. Sounds like our Christmas gatherings with our family. Amen. I don't know about you, but some of us are dreading going home for the holidays, spending time with our family. Maybe we haven't met since pre-pandemic time, and we got people from different perspectives, regions, all coming together. And if your family is anything like my family, we have a lot of political experts right? We've got a lot of scientific experts that know everything about the vaccine and masks. We've got a lot of religious experts that think you're an idiot for following God and gathering in the church, right? Any, anybody have family like mine? <laughs> or am I alone? And so we all get together and we think we have to solve the problems of the world over dinner, 
on this one day. And there are a lot of fights and there can be a lot of tension because most of us live in an echo chamber. We talk with people that relatively agree with what we're thinking and saying. And then we have these worlds collide and suddenly it's not our safe bubble anymore. We have to talk with people who disagree with us, who have a different perspective, who have different experiences, and it can be a very painful time of offense in our families. And it doesn't always have to be about these big subjects like religion or politics or science or mass or vaccines or racism. Sometimes it's like we walk into family environments and someone always has to say something about how you look. Hey, did you lose weight? Hey, did you get a new haircut? I love that haircut. I would never do it, but thank you for your strength. God bless you. Or it's like a weird backhanded compliment. You're like, wow, you really look good this year. Like, what what happened last year? (laughs) Anybody have families like mine? (laughs) And so this time can be just filled with offense. And what do we do? How do we handle that? And I think by looking at the story of Joseph, we have a great example of dealing with this kind of conflict. And I, I, I believe that it will be a blessing to you. And so what did Joseph do? The first thing I want to share is Joseph approached an offense with love. In Matthew 1, it says, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to take, to break the engagement quietly. I, I think in our society, especially when it comes to the church, when we think of righteousness, we think of meanness. When we think of Joseph breaking up this engagement and doing it quietly because of his engagement, I don't think we can relate to it a lot. Because in our culture, when you're righteous, it means that you're calling people out on their sin publicly. You're exposing their wrong thinking. This is the right way to do it. This is the wrong way. Your news outlet is bad. Your politics are bad. Your religion is bad. Your science is bad. And I'm going to expose you at the holiday dinner table. In fact, how dare you say holidays? Just say Christmas. I'm offended already. You know, and we have this angry spirit sometimes because of our our righteousness. And I want you to notice the the historical context of the story because engagement in this time wasn't like our American engagement season. It was legally binding. It was a time of betrothal where they were legally together as husband and wife, but they weren't allowed to live with each other yet. And during this engagement, they have the wedding, and then they finally, after the wedding, they consummate the wedding, and they can live together as husband and wife. So this was a time between betrothal and consummation, a time that all of humanity is in right now as we look forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And this is wild because if Joseph would have exposed her publicly... It would have been as if my wife cheated on me, and in Hebrew law, what does that open the door to? Adultery. What does that open the door to? Public stoning. Public disgrace, where she would be known in her community as the one who betrayed Joseph, as the one who would carry the shame the rest of her life, and would open her up to physical harm. And because Joseph was a righteous man, he did not want her to go through that, even though he thought she cheated on him. We are taught in our culture, if someone does you wrong, you get them back. And I for an eye, oh, you said that to me? Well, I'm going to say this about you. Oh, you're going to talk behind my back? Well, I'm going to talk about your back. 
and I'm going to expose your fault. Oh, you're going to call me out on my sins? Well, well, do you think you're so good and holy? Remember when you did this and this and this and this? And this is our default. But Joseph, he overlooked an offense. He dealt with it quietly because he loved her even after he was wronged by her. And I, I think this is a challenge for us in our Christianity today. Because if, if we're honest, we are known as Christians as being people with an angry spirit. Does anybody here have a non-Christian friend? If you ask your friends, what's the church known for? I doubt it would be for kindness. It's because we're constantly using our politics to call people out. We're constantly yelling at people on social media. And I remember as a young Christian man wanting to use my zeal to advance the kingdom of God, I became such a mean person. I remember I would yell at people. Hey, sinner, you need to accept the love of Jesus, you idiot. His kindness will draw you to repentance, you idiot. It's like, that's how I would lead people to Christ. I would just, I would, I would pick fights with everybody with my Bible, and I would just like smack them with holiness. I was like, hey, listen to me, you, you dummy. This is how you be humble like me. I figured it out, you dummy idiot. Right? Has anybody carried that angry spirit in your faith where you're like just calling people out left and right? Suddenly nobody wants to talk to you. You're just not kind. You're not defaulting towards compassion. I see what you guys write on Facebook. I can see all the public comments that you write on the president's Facebook. The whole world can see it. And that has become our brand as Christians. And it's not the best one. There's this time... uh, The girl, the girl who led me to Christ, who invited me to church, she approached me and she said, Pradeepan, I just, I can't be friends with you anymore because every time I'm around you, you call me out on my sin, you tell me everything I'm doing wrong, you're pointing out all my faults, and I just, I feel bad enough in my my faith journey, I feel even worse when I'm with you because I'm trying the best I can. You just call me out and call me out and call me out. And so for the sake of my relationship with God, I need to get away from your mean spirit. This was the girl who led me to Christ. This is the girl who helped me process sermons I didn't understand when I was new in my faith. And suddenly, my spirit of righteous anger made me too good for her. And she had to distance herself. My warning to the church is, we can't let an angry spirit define us. You know, it might not be sexy to preach sermons on love and kindness. You might think it's weak and mamby-pamby, and we need, a, we need to be people that take this with violence. The kingdom of God advances through violence, and the violent take it by force. And we need, a, we need to just thump our Bibles, and we need to call out sin and expose. And yes, we need to be light in darkness, but we need to be like Jesus. Why did sinners feel so comfortable around Jesus? Was it because he was mean to them? Was it because he didn't make eye contact with prostitutes? No. He interacted with people who are way different than him, and he treated them like humans. He didn't avoid people from a different socioeconomic status or a different sin than what other people had. And I, I just think we need to bring back the spirit of kindness in the church 
And as you are eager to make known the beauty of Jesus, as you go home to your families for this Christmas season, I think one of the best Christmas gifts you could give your loved ones is the gift of overlooking offenses. You know, Proverbs 10 says this, hatred stirs up strife. There's a lot of strife in our nation, and hatred stirs it up. But love covers all offenses. Is your family covered by your love, or are you stirring up strife? Proverbs 19.11 says, good sense make one slow to anger. Are you slow to anger or quick to anger? And it is his glory to overlook an offense. Ephesians 4 says, always be humble and gentle. When I feel like it, after I just got out of the hot tub, no, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Even now, we need to prepare our spirits to make allowance that our families aren't going to say things perfectly. They're not going to always have the perfect time, timing, tone, text. Are our families allowed to make political mistakes around us? Are they allowed to share their opinions without us jumping on them? Do we make allowance for comments that we don't agree with? Is it possible that we can stand our ground in our faith without starting a fight? I think this is what we're called to do. And I'm not saying overlooking an offense excuses the wrongs of what people do, but maybe the holiday dinner table isn't the time to expose people publicly. Maybe we need to help handle some of these subjects in quietness and in love. And it's really hard to love people while we're judging them. We're just called to be witnesses of God's love. We're not the lawyers, and we're certainly not the judges. But we are witnesses. We just tell people what we've seen and what we've tasted and that God is good. Amen? Amen. And so Joseph did this, and I'm inspired. Can we bring back kindness to the church? Can that be sexy again? Can that be good? Can that be what we're known for? I think it's important that our discipleship, we as disciples are known for our love of one another and not calling out each other publicly. The second thing Joseph did, Joseph listened to God before speaking or taking action. There's a reason we have two ears and one mouth. And all God's people said, in Matthew 1, 20, as he considered this, finding out his fiance cheated on him, as he considered this, notice he didn't run to bash her behind her back or talk to people. He considered it. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And then in 24, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. So many of us, if we found out our fiance cheated on us, what would we do? We would make plans. We would expose her. We would talk to people. We would go to the phone. But Joseph, he went to the throne. <laughs> Did you feel that? Did you feel that? I felt that. <laughs> Inappropriate joke. All right. <laughs> he, he went to God. Our culture says, hey, if someone wrongs you, you put them on blast on social media, right? You expose them. If a restaurant wrongs you, what do you do, Yuna? You write a Yelp review, <laughs> right? That's what you do. <laughs> Don't publicly expose Yelp reviewers from the stage, Pradeepin. 
Wait. How'd you turn that around on me? <laughs> That's what we do, though. It's a, it's a cancel culture. But I, I, I want to encourage us to, to go to the throne, not just the phone. Let's go to God. Let's take time and consider what's going on. And maybe God has something to share with us. Maybe things aren't as they, they seem. And when Joseph did that, God was like, hey, Mary is telling the truth. Believe the woman, right? This is my child. You can trust her. And in fact, I want you to name this baby Jesus. Gave him instructions. So Joseph, he wakes up, and because he took the time to listen to God, before making up his mind, everything turned around for him. And he was part of a plan that was more beautiful than he could have asked for or imagined. The same for us when we take the time to listen to God when our emotions are rising, when things are getting intense. Instead of saying the first thing that's on our mind or the first thing that, that just comes to us, if we say, God, what are you thinking in this moment? What's happening in this circumstance? I believe that he'll start to give us new eyes so that we don't look at our loved ones, our friends, our coworkers from a worldly point of view. Because sometimes things aren't always as they seem. And uh, I, I want to give you an example of this. Pastor Amritha, would you hand me this sweatshirt? This is something our family made because we are about to take a flight to uh, Kansas for Christmas. And can you read that? It says, special needs family. We have two kids with special needs, and to be honest, we have a lot of anxiety before we take this flight, because our, our kids look like, quote-unquote, normal on the outside. They're very beautiful children, and they don't always act like society expects them to act. They, they have loud noises or outbursts, or they're not easily consolable, a lot of tears, a lot of cry, and, and because of that, families and workers and employees judge us a lot on these flights. And it's very scary. And people are so afraid of labeling these children. And so we have to explain our whole life story to every single person who thinks we're not acting as we ought to act. Uh, uh, I think it was like two or three or four years ago, around that period, we were on a flight. And this family was looking at us as our, our, our son was having a hard time being thousands of feet in the air in a small tube flying with the air pressure on his ears, loud noises, people everywhere, and this family kept on glaring at our son. Like, you need to get your kid under control. You guys need to have some discipline in your family. You need to take responsibility for your children. Kept on glaring, kept on glaring, and we were feeling insecure already, right? And uh, finally, they, they approached us and said, hey, you need to get your kid under control. Like, you need to be more respectful in public. And we said, hey, we're so sorry. Our kid has special needs, and uh, if you have any advice on how we can get him under control according to your expectations, we're, we're happy to listen to it, because <laughs> we haven't figured it out. <laughs> you know, we're doing, we're doing the best we can. And they said, oh, I'm so sorry, we didn't realize your kid had special needs. And, and because they realized something different was happening, they had grace for us. They had compassion for us. They could see us as a, a family that wasn't trying to be disruptive. We weren't trying to be rude. We were doing the best we could. And so now we, we made these hoodies because we don't want to explain our life story to everybody. And, and maybe people will give us some extra grace. So please pray for us as we travel in December. But there are times in our life where we think the worst of people and we want 
We want people to judge us by our intentions, but oftentimes we judge others by their actions, right? We want justice when we're wronged, but we want mercy when we do wrong. And when we take a moment in the fight, when someone says something wrong, and we take the moment to say, God, would you speak to me? He might share some things with you. Hey, did you know that that person that just had an outburst with you is going through a separation right now, and they're just feeling tension? And they're just lashing out because they're so afraid and angry. What if, what if God started to speak to you in those moments? Hey, can you, can you approach this hard subject with a soft heart? Can you have tough skin but a soft heart? Could you give this person the benefit of the doubt? Because they're, they're going through a lot. What if the Lord starts to speak to us? What if he moved our hearts to compassion? Because let's be real. Our world is going through a lot right now. Does anybody here feel like your best, kindest most grace-filled self. I know I don't. We're on edge. There's a lot of road rage these days. There's a lot of people online that are, they're mean. And I, I just can't help wondering from the viewpoint, from the spirit of God, what if these people are hurting and they're lashing out because hurt people hurt people? What if they're lashing out because they're trying to find some sense of control in this world? Maybe the reason our families are sharing all their political views and their religious views and their science views is because they're so scared of something and they're just trying to find control and someone to resonate with them, someone to hear them, to know that their voice is known and what they say matters. And I don't know, they're just looking for human connection. And when we take time, like Joseph's to pray, I, I feel like the, the Lord can switch things around in an instant where we don't have to be so angry and carry offense. We don't have to let it become our identity, but we can love people. Have you ever noticed it's really hard to hate someone while you're praying for them? It's really hard. God, I hate this person. Not anymore. See, that's how it works. (laughs) It's really hard to hate someone while you're praying for them. And I, I just encourage you, follow the example of Joseph. Listen to God before saying things that you'll regret or taking actions you'll regret. Amen? Third thing Joseph did, and I'm so excited about this, is Joseph shared his home with Christ. If he would have given in to cancel culture, he would have never named Jesus. If he he would have participated in in a, a, a rejection culture saying, wow, Mary's too toxic, I just can't be around here, she would have, he would have never gotten to be God's stepdad and raise him. But because he overlooked an offense, he invited Christ into his home. The same with us. Sometimes when we overlook offenses, it allows us to welcome Christ into our home and love people and make known the beauty of Jesus. And I just think that is what this world needs. They need Jesus. They need him so desperately. They need God. And we are called to welcome him into our homes, to follow his example, to lift up his name, and to be a church that is beautiful. Jesus is looking for a beautiful church, a church where we love one another. We love our neighbors. We love people who are different than us. Can you love someone who doesn't agree with you, I think you can. Sometimes overlooking an offense makes room for Jesus to enter. And you know what? God's going to do some amazing things in your home, and he doesn't always wait for you to say yes before putting a plan into action. But Joseph, he said, yes, I will love the family you have given me. 
I will love the family you have given me. Can we just even say that in our hearts right now? God, I will love the family you have given me. Let's say it again. God, I will love the family you have given me. And Joseph named and raised Jesus. We are taught as a culture, you return evil with evil. You match hate with hate. An eye for an eye. If you put me on blast, I put you on blast. If you hurt me, I hurt you. And we mask it with righteous injustice and anger. But we are called to be like Jesus. Jesus was abused. He was treated violently, even to the point of dying on the cross. And the scripture says that when he was being whipped and beat as an adult, he was silent like a lamb before the slaughter. Our perfect God, silent like a lamb before the slaughter. And, and sheep will actually go silent before they are killed. And I, I want to encourage you with this image, and I, I think this image might mark you for the rest of your life. There's this story about a shepherd. This is a current story. Shepherd saw that his sheep was bitten by a rattlesnake. And the face of the sheep started to swell up. He thought, this sheep is going to die. And the sheep wasn't too scared. It continued to drink water like normal, continued to eat food like normal. And then after two days, the face went back to normal. What happened here? Well, I, I want to show you this picture. I thought this was so cool. Sheep's blood provides rattlesnake anti-venom. This is something that researchers are looking into because there are anti-venom properties in lamb's blood, in sheep's blood, that kills the venom of the rattlesnake. You would think in order to fight fairly, it would have to bite back. It would have to retaliate. It would have to be like a snake to defeat the snake. But the lamb, because it has lamb's blood coursing through its veins, it's immune to the venomous attack. I want to encourage you, as you're faced with offense and the spirit of offense, as people say mean things, insulting things, things that are not politically correct, things that are not okay, you don't have to be a snake and match their venom. Let the lamb's blood, the lamb of God, course through your veins, where it would destroy any attack, any venom, just by being a sheep. And we are called into the fold of God. He is the good shepherd, and he says he will lead us to still waters. He will lead us to green pastures. And just by being his, we are safe and secure from the enemy's plan. We are safe and secure from the mean and attacking statements. So this season, don't let the spirit of offense define you, but the spirit of Jesus. Amen? Amen. And it's going to be painful. I'm going to be honest. You will hear things that are not okay, but we will love those people anyways. It's really hard to love people while judging them. It's really hard to hate people while praying for them. And yes, we believe in holiness and righteousness. Yes, we have a biblical standard. But our righteousness is like filthy rags compared to God. And we have all sinned, amen? We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And I'm so thankful that it was the kindness of God that brought us to repentance. That's what the scriptures say. 
It's the kindness of God that brings us to repentance. Maybe it's your kindness that will bring your family to experience the beauty of Jesus. Amen? I want to close with a couple of quotes that inspired me. Every Advent season, that's the season we're in, where we look for Jesus to arrive in Christmas. Every Advent season, we are invited to a mutual indwelling with God. We are invited to root our lives in Christ and allow Christ to be rooted in us. At the end of the day, Christ might not be kept in Christmas from a cultural point of view, but we can continue allowing Christ to be kept in us. This season, let's keep Christ in Christians. And so would you give your loved ones the gift of covering an offense? Let's keep Christ in Christians. Last quote before we pray. People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Too good anyway. Give the world your best, the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give them your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It never was between you and them anyway. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your word, and I just pray that you would help us to walk in love and kindness, grace. Lord, teach us how to stand our ground without starting a fight. Lord, teach us to love people we don't agree with. Lord, help us to see people not from a worldly point of view, but from your point of view, as your, your people, your creations. As all of us are created in your image, I pray that we would treat one another like image bearers ones who carry the image of God. So Lord, I, I just grieve with people here in this room who are going into painful environments, people who will hear darker, offensive things. And Lord, I pray that you give us strength to be like you who took all the beatings on the cross. You took all of it in the name of love. And I pray that you would help us to follow your example this season. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.